0: Are you ready to unplug? Are you ready to connect with the brightest minds in tech? Then join us for TechCon Unplugged 2023. From September 7th through the 10th, you'll have the chance to connect with a community of like-minded tech professionals who share your passion and drive. Attend hands-on workshops and breakout sessions to learn new skills and gain fresh perspectives. It's not just about the work. There's also plenty of time to unwind, relax, and have fun with your fellow attendees. Akro says it's where the magic happens. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to unplug, recharge, and take your tech career to the next level. Get your early bird tickets now at techconunplugged.com. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business podcast. We're starting off a little different because I have an in-studio guest, and we're a little late starting because it rained here in Florida this afternoon, and my guest was stuck in traffic for a little bit, so we're just getting started. I'm going to introduce him real quick and then get the show going, Matt Mulcahy from ProSource. Yes, sir. You made it.
1: I did. (laughs) It might have been faster to fly, but uh, we'll we'll take what we can get.
0: Yep, Uh, coming in from Kendall, Florida, south of the border.
1: Yeah, south. All
0: right, folks. uh, You saw the caption for the title of the show. What did you do to celebrate National Alligator Day? So we're going to tackle that and a lot more things on tonight's show. Let's get started. Always a bunch of those. Oh, yeah. All right, folks. Hello. Welcome back to the show. This is the Wednesday live show for the IT Business Podcast, the last Wednesday of May. Actually, one day before hurricane season starts. Exciting. And uh, especially with all this rain we've had, we've been flooded now, what, twice in the last week?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, It's rained about every single day in the last two weeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's... That doesn't happen here in Florida, folks. Uh, So I've got, uh, actually, you're going to be the last Florida Man MSP on the show. I tried to spend all of April and May interviewing uh, MSPs and techs from the state of Florida. I'm honored. Thanks so much. So I mentioned earlier that you were coming up for Kendall, but that's not where your company is actually based out of. It's
1: not. We're we're in Orlando, Florida, specifically Oviedo, which is a... Suburb in the Northeast.
0: Oh, Vito. That's up near, let's see, Maitland.
1: Yeah, like directly east of east, Maitland. East, east Park. of Maitland. Yep.
0: Winter Park. There we go. DeLand, all that in that area.
1: Yeah, like the northern, northeastern corner of Orlando. All
0: right. Now, I was going to ask a political question, but we can't. <laughs> <laughs> we can't, cannot do that on this show. Uh, let's just say that Mickey is in a battle. <laughs> All right, folks, uh let us um do some housekeeping. You saw at the beginning if you were watching the video, uh TechCon is a conference coming up this September in uh New Jersey. So I encourage you all if you have not got your tickets, head over to techconunplugged.com and get that. I will be your MC. I have no idea what that means, but uh the planning committee is working on it. I know that they've got some great Uh, breakout sessions. They've got some keynote stuff working. Some presentations are being planned and food plus plus is all being taken care of. And uh, why don't we take a quick break here and say, we've got a visitor from Durham, North Carolina, Mr. Mark Lee. Thanks for saying hello on the show. Uh, I spent three years in the town of Wake Forest and worked in Durham As a security guard at BASF, we don't make a lot of the products that you buy. We make them better. (laughs) That was their logo. Ah, Nice little place up there. North Carolina, great place. You ever been?
1: Yeah. I go every year. You go every year? Yeah. Where do you go? Piney Creek. It's a small town about two hours north of Charlotte, middle of the woods.
0: Piney, north of Charlotte.
1: North of Charlotte. Yeah, right on the Virginia border.
0: So would that be, um, let's see, Canapolis Is that near there?
1: Not sure. It's near like Boone. Er, Boone? Yeah, okay. like 45 minutes from Boone. West Jefferson. Uh, Sparta, if you've ever heard of any of those. They're pretty small. I don't think I've heard of Sparta. Yeah, it's it's in the sticks. It's pretty far out there. I want to escape from Miami per year. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people do. A lot yep. of people do.
0: Uh, All right. So I mentioned TechCon Unplugged and also let everybody know I will be in Denver in two weeks for the Pax8 Beyond Conference, Uh, hanging out with my good good buddy Rob Ray there and be doing some on-site interviews uh, as a member of the press during that conference. So you'll see a lot of shows, uh, hopefully streamed live depending on the Internet, but definitely audio podcast after the fact. And then uh, at the end of June, I will be in Tampa for the ASCII Edge. I, th- I think that's what it's called. You don't attend sure that, that one, one do you?
1: Not that one, no.
0: Are you headed to Denver?
1: Uh, not this year, no. We've got some conferences coming up on our calendar.
0: It's I've a lot of time. conferences.
1: Yeah, between the vendors and promoting ourselves. It's uh, pretty busy.
0: So I was doing a demo this afternoon... With CyberFox folks, that's why I put that question in the thing there. So doing a uh, demo with them and they were asking me about all the conferences and IT, IT Nation Secure is coming up, but I won't be attending that one. And then a couple of others. I said, look, I, I can only do one or two conferences a month, let alone.
1: Yeah, it gets overwhelming. Yeah. still we'll have customers to attend to as well. That is true. Can't forget about that. Can't forget about them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk real quick about your company just so that people get a sense. You're based out of Orlando, ProSource, and uh, how long have you guys been around?
1: We've been around for 16 years now. Okay. So 2006, so pushing 17.
0: All right. Uh, Now, you've not been with them the whole time. I have
1: not. I've been there just over eight years. Eight years, okay.
0: And I should tell everybody your title. You are, is it the Director of Business Development?
1: Yes, that's my title.
0: Which just means it's, super sales.
1: Yeah, sure, that's one way to <laughs> frame it. It's uh, different every day, almost. I'd say. All right. In terms of what I'm working on,
0: and we met just so that everybody knows at a partner event for App River back in December. Yep. And then we saw you again at
1: the HPE HPE Enterprise. event. Yeah. Yes, at yeah. Miami Beach.
0: And uh, you were telling us some some pretty good experiences from your business, and I'm like, ooh. This sounds like somebody I should get on the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've had a pretty unconventional route to where I am, switching from the technical side to the sales side. And I know that's a lot of angst for founders and owners making that transition.
0: Well, it's weird because I think most techies aren't good at sales.
1: Not by nature.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up? Let's let's just start with your journey. How did you end up getting into the the sales side of it?
1: Sure, you know, I always like solving problems and in IT you're solving problems on a daily basis and they're they're micro, right? They're you're fixing a computer, you're fixing a switch, maybe that's impacting a couple of people. But uh what I saw is that fixing things was my passion and I wanted to make a larger impact. So how do you do that? You know, you make transformational changes, technology that impacts broader swaths of a business. So, you know, I was very vocal with that and, and Lee's the owner of ProSource and he was always supportive. Of my want to do those types of things. So I moved into like a technical account management role. Okay. So I was more kind of a liaison between the service and the sales. So it was like my first step or foray into that world. Um, did that for about two years. And, you know, we have a, a little bit of an odd makeup where. Lee, the founder, is very technical. He, you know, he architected our data center. He, he's very deep in the weeds, and he's very, very proud of that. But someone still needs to do the marketing and sales things to make, you know, drive us past those thresholds and break those ceilings. So um, he recognized that, and he recognized that I had an interest in it, not that I was proficient in it. And we can talk about <laughs> all the pain I've gone through <laughs> learning some right. lessons. Um, but you know, he gave me a shot to take the reins and really try to help us grow. And, you know, I've been doing that for about five years now.
0: All right. So let's take a quick step back and talk about the makeup of the company because, let's see, did I read you guys are at like a baker's dozen in size now? Or
1: Yeah, we were at about 15. We lost a few. We're backfilling as, you know, it's always up and down, up and down. Right. And hopefully just up right. overall, but yeah, we're, we're around, uh, 15 employees. Okay.
0: And you have a vertical. I know that we've talked about healthcare a lot, mm-hmm. but what other verticals are you guys proficient in? Cause you, we, you know, lots on your website.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we recently actually just funneled down to specifically marketing towards just healthcare. It doesn't necessarily mean that we'll turn away people that aren't healthcare oriented. Um, but our focus going forward is to attract healthcare clients.
0: All right, and the fact that your owner is super technical—is that the reason you guys have your own data center?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> he, he loves that place. I mean, if he's watching, he's probably laughing. Um, but you know, that's his happy place. He goes in there, sand maintenance, switch maintenance, new firewalls, whatever it might be. He's uh, he's going to be there with one of the techs, probably showing them the ins and outs. But um, we don't own the whole building. We're in a tier three facility. Okay, so N plus one. And they provide the power and the cooling and the physical structure. Everything else is on us.
0: All right. So they give you the rack space and you guys just fill it. and Yeah,
1: do. we do the circuits, we do the hardware, but everything else okay. we're VMware partners. So we've kind of standardized on that whole Horizon platform for our cloud services. And we think it provides a better experience because we own those solutions end-to-end as opposed to you know having to pick up the phone and call Azure or AWS if we're hosting it with a third party and being reliant on their support to help us get to the end of an issue.
0: All right. So... I've only looked at VMware once, so help me out here. So the Horizon product is the more robust of the products. It allows you to host servers. You can do, what is it, the VM motion to where yes. it load balances automatically.
1: And the, the Horizon piece specifically is about the delivery of the cloud services, so those cloud applications and cloud desktops, so how they get to you. Um, so you have the portal. Um, they have the BLAST protocol, which is specific to VMware. they okay. built and licensed that. Less latent, you know, encrypts everything. It just performs better print management. We know from the cloud and VDI can always be a challenge. Um, So so that's kind of the user-facing piece that drives a much better customer experience where what you're talking about, you know, is the uh, virtualization layer in terms of all the products I use there, vSAN, vSphere, all those things. VSphere, that's what I, I remember that. They all work together jointly to provide the platform to then build that Horizon experience.
0: All right. Does that mean that all of your clients are full VDI?
1: No, okay. um, I'd say about sixty percent of our revenue comes from the data center. So we have a you know various workloads, um, just VDI uh, applications, just hosting app- web applications. Uh, you know we have a crazy three uh, D engineering build right now that we built with these big NVIDIA Tesla graphics cards. They literally walk these laser scanners through airports and it reverse engineers, the schematics um, and that's all got to get rendered and everything. So they dump it into our data center and it, you know, crunches that data.
0: So are you building servers with those Nvidia cards? Like what is, what is the one is RTX? Is that the popular model now?
1: That's more on the consumer side. We're we're talking about like Nvidia Tesla. So more of the commercial grade video cards, they're like $10,000 a piece. They're insane. And they're, they're physically like this big. It's awesome. Okay, but uh, you know that's all the geeky stuff we get excited over.
0: So, so would that be so architects uh, doing their AutoCAD stuff up mm-hmm. there?
1: Yeah, exactly. So oh. they, they use a different program called Faro. Um, okay, but very similar in terms of taking that raw data and really crunching it and new that you know high power computing in order to. Okay, we got to talk
0: because I have an event services company that wants to move to the cloud. And we're trying to figure out what to do with their graphics department. They've got about 10 graphic designers that half of them are on Macs. The rest are on Windows. And they've got to have those machines. But throwing yeah. them up in the cloud, we don't know what to do.
1: Like I said, we, we love the deep technical stuff. The owner is extremely proficient. And um, I have a technical background, so I love digging in as well. And okay. um, that's really what we pride ourselves on.
0: So now speaking of the technical background... Because you're not you weren't just a regular tech, if I remember,
1: right? <laughs> I did a lot of different things. I mean <laughs> MSP techs, right? We gotta kinda be a little bit of everything. Yeah, but
0: even before that, I mean you didn't you weren't you didn't come from an engineering background. You let me see if I remember. You started out just kind of dinking around with machines on your own. Yeah,
1: I mean breaking the home computer right. multiple times. Uh which downloading who knows what Which
0: you uh, parlayed into <laughs> a job. Uh, but then you just kept moving up and up technical wise, yeah. but w- you had a specialty if I remember, right?
1: Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, not explicitly. Okay. I mean, I gravitated towards one thing over another, maybe systems administration. Uh, so, you know, just real quick, I was on the desktop side of my first job, ultimate software Then I moved to a law firm overnight doing like the network operations center. So like monitoring the global offices for, uh, okay. Like, I remember law that. Firm. Uh, so just like kind of monitoring the Citrix systems and all of those and, you know, fixing them or waking up the right people in the middle of the night to fix them, which was, you know, right. uh, no one no one loved me over there. <laughs> so um, doing that and then, yeah, about eight years ago, uh, got a job at ProSource, interviewed at a dinky little kitchen table. Uh, I was a little scared. There were memes all over the walls, uh, but I thought I fit in pretty well.
0: <laughs> so my office not as big. Yeah, yeah,
1: enough. this is bigger than – <laughs> what I interviewed in. So, uh, took a, took a chance and it's been good to me.
0: Okay. All right. So now you start to make that transition from tech to business development. Now I should probably ask you, first of all, what does that really mean in terms of your day to day?
1: Well, for the first thing, I mean, Stepping into that role and getting a, a look behind the scenes in terms of how we were pricing, margins, and all of those things, you know, I had to get an understanding of what made sense that we should be selling right. um, and organizing all of that. And then, you know, understanding, well, I'll back up and give a shout out because the first thing we did was hire a consultant. Okay. <laughs> the first thing I said was, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> And I said, but I'm willing to try. So uh, we hired Adam. He's the CRO at Cyberfox. Oh, um, yeah, shout out his, Adam. Okay, yeah, he's a he's a you know a great mentor for me. Taught me a lot early on. Helped us kind of transition to that original managed services because we were a break fix okay retainer kind of shop at the time. And we knew we needed to tra- transition to that. So uh, we worked with Adam for a bit, and he kind of helped us give us a kick in the butt in the right direction. Okay. Um, You know, recognize that managing my workload from a sales side out of ConnectWise was near impossible. Uh, Mm. Because, you know, when you talk about CRMs and functions of a CRM and working efficiently, uh, that platform doesn't really have that. So, you know, I picked up PipeDrive, which is a very basic, um, you know, deal management, workload management type of tool to just kind of keep myself organized. Um because our ConnectWise instance was not really built for sales.
0: Right. So I was gonna say you guys probably kept ConnectWise yeah. for the but then your stuff you did out of
1: Right. So so we forkloaded kind of my little workload okay. um into pipe drive, and we had some integrations to kind of once deals closed it would kind of seamlessly flow into opportunities. Um, we used that for about two years and then we realized that we were lacking on marketing and we needed marketing automation and those things and automated outreach and pipe drive did not have it. So uh, we moved to HubSpot Okay, and and I I built all these (laughs) and built all the integration. So not only was I evaluating it, I was also building them out, which kind of gave me a better handle of how I could, you know, make myself more efficient.
0: Okay. And then at the same time, you're actually going out and marketing the company. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you're also going to a lot of these industry events at the same time, as opposed to, you know, the CTO or somebody else in your, on your department. So how does that play back at the company that you're the one that's, you know, going out and marketing, you're the one going to these events, you're doing the learning for all these things.
1: It's challenging. I mean, you know, bringing that knowledge back and bringing those trends back and convincing the team that this is what we need to be doing, uh, can be, you know, frustrating at times. Uh, because feel like you're on an island a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah you know I'm, I'm doing it for the greater good and for the most part, everyone gets on board, and it's a matter of education, just like sales is education, it's educating the team is hey, these are the trends, and this is why this is what we need to be doing, and here's the data, right. just like we do with our clients. So um, everything in sales is education, you know, convincing people to you know agree with you is education. <laughs> so um, I really try to approach it that way.
0: So, when it comes to the stack, like I said, we were at the HPE event, we were at the App event. I know you guys are big with uh, you know we talked about ingenious earlier. Yep. <laughs> you saw my switches over in the corner. So are you involved in a lot of those I don't want to say decisions, but <laughs> are you helping to drive hey, this is what's going to make us more efficient as you know an MSP
1: uh I, I used to be more involved, um, but you know I can't be involved in everything right. and I need to be focused on what my role is so yeah I mean it's, it's more so tell me what we're doing and I'll give my input and you know if I really dislike something I'll let it be known but uh, I try to stay out of those decisions I just kind of help make sure are the margins right what's our gross profit gross margin and you know what should we sell it at
0: all right so now getting back to the development side you guys let me try to see if I remember this from the event did you double your revenue in two years.
1: We last year was one of our best years. We had forty four percent year over year growth. Forty four percent. Okay. Forty four percent year over year growth. So uh, that was big, um, and we can talk about that year specifically. But um, well, well, let's know, let's never, go ahead.
0: <laughs> what, what was it that you know hit that bump?
1: I mean, yeah, I mean it was. Uh, well, <laughs> Two big accounts, really, okay. uh, primarily. Um, we had a lot of little deals trickling in through like an inbound funnel. We're an Intuit partner, so we host QuickBooks. So, yeah, exactly. A lot of people <laughs> hate it, and we kind of found the secret recipe okay. um, to host it. Um, so we get a lot of trickle-in, you know, small accounting firms, right. four or five user-type deals. and Those are nice and small, but they don't really move the needle like we're looking to do. So, right. We actually got a great account off LinkedIn, of all places. You really? know, pe- people think it's dead. Um, but it 's only dead if you don 't use it in the right way, so don 't just you know relentlessly dm people because right. everybody hates that. <laughs> um, you have to be involved and you have to be contributing to a conversation and be a subject matter expert. So we got lucky um, you know the owner had mentioned something, and his ex uh boss saw it, and it started a conversation, and it led to us uh working with like a telecommunications company nice like, international um, and then another one was a wickedly well-timed phone call uh the day a giant cyber attack happened <laughs> to a company and they brought us in that same day um but you know it's always interesting to kind of rewind the clock and look at how these accounts manifest so you know i made that phone call because i made a connection with a person at a conference that introduced me to someone else and i just happened to call her that day that they had a cyber attack so timing is almost everything in sales right <laughs> Um, so it's critical to you know, understand those cycles and the timing in well, your activities.
0: Well, a lot of it, too, is being active, being out there in terms of either networking, yeah. being involved in a community to some degree. And so obviously that's your role. Yeah. Most of us don't have somebody in that role. It, and it's the owner trying to.
1: Yeah. So, I mean. You know we've had a lot of help uh, over the last couple of years. So I, I mentioned Adam uh, that he helped kind of give us the initial kick in the butt. We've also been working with a fractional CEO.
0: Oh, okay. Um, he's
1: helped us implement, you know, EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, or Traction. You might have heard of that. Book. Yep. Um, so,
0: Gino Wickman.
1: Yep. So uh-huh. we're like eighty percent, you know, Traction shop. We're not definitely a hundred percent, but we're pretty good with our weeklies, with our, you know, our scorecard metrics and all those things, and that's really helped organize us. Um, And, you know, Jason Knight helps coach MSPs to, you know, help them take it to the next level. And and one of those functions within EOS is having an accountability chart. So, you know, we said here, we literally sat down for a day and said, what are all the things that ProSource needs to be doing to be successful? Marketing, sales, service, billing, everything. And uh, we chunked them up into groups. And we said, someone has to be responsible for all this, you know, and break them up. So, if, you know, if, if you have an owner who's maybe more technical, not into the sales things, so, someone still has to do it. So, you know, generally what you see with MSPs is around $2 million in annual revenue. You'll look for someone to kind of handle the sales stuff or, or look to hire your first sales replacement. But, you know, it's good to have someone at that growth stage calling, but you need someone, you know, still doing the awareness piece to build that brand. right? Because or, or your callers aren't going to succeed.
0: Sorry, I'm taking notes here because that's a couple of different points that I had there. Um, so being intentionally active yep. is what we got there. So going through the traction book obviously pushes you to think about that sort of stuff. Let me go back because I I'm working with somebody on that myself. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, when you had to formulate the pillars in the beginning, did you guys have to go back and like rethink? some layers oh, yeah. and re you know, adjust what you thought your goal was with yeah, the business. I
1: mean, we've done it three or four times now since okay. we started because it's like, you know uh, when we started this, we had four businesses. There was pro source tech consulting, pro source, med consulting, pro source, cloud services, pro source, voice services, all different websites, all different brands,
0: uh, oh, all you, different legal. Energies. And you ran we had them. Split every,
1: we had all split everything thinking, you know, that was a, you know, part of the pain I said, I would share that. You okay. Know, don't do this. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, we had split them from a liability perspective thinking that would be better, but on the marketing side to split that brand into four brands and manage all of that and be active across all of those channels is uh, near impossible for a company of our size. So, you know, we've, we've now since consolidated that and kind of made it a little more streamlined.
0: So another thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is that how you got to the idea that you would niche down even more with your verticals?
1: We always knew we would. Well, We always had a feeling we would, you know, we used to say we can do it for everybody and you know, every anybody can do it for everybody. Um, very commoditized industry nowadays. So, um, the first step we took was to really say we did an exercise with the table. Jason or fractional CEO flipped it sideways, blew our mind. Um, and we, you know, forgot everything we thought we knew. So, um, Long story short, what we realized is that the, the companies that had compliance frameworks requiring them to adhere to best practices in, in technology were our best customers because what we want to preach and what we want to implement are best practices in technology. So, you know, the first focus down we did was saying, hey, uh, we'll, we'll focus in the compliance spaces and, you know, also trying to understand those markets and be an expert in those compliance frameworks at the same time is very difficult when you're talking about four or five different industries. So, you know, healthcare, HIPAA, high tech, Uh, we're doing engineering. So you've got like NERC SIP on the critical infrastructure protection, you know, on the uh, manufacturing side, CMMC is the buzzword. Uh, And
0: FinTech with the accounting Financial
1: services, right? FinTech and all these other new changes that are coming down the pipe. So, yeah, I mean, trying to be expert in all those frameworks and have our staff help align our customers to those frameworks and the tech is just, uh, it can be a lot for people.
0: Yeah, so, so I'm not as big as you guys, but we're going through a lot of the same things. Where trying to streamline what it is you're trying to do yep. and who you're trying to serve yep. is is a big thing to consider. And I, you know, I just I, I made this comment to somebody today, and it's probably somebody out there is gonna you know want to slap my hand for saying this, but I always end up calling myself a boutique slash artisan shop because i'm not going after the numbers right i'm not going after you know the endpoints per se Mm. we're going to provide a customized service for the right customer that's willing to pay a little bit more uh, for the attention um and follow our framework right and that's worked for me for years yep and it I mean, it's still working now, yeah. <laughs> not to say that it hasn't, but being at a place where I'm thinking, okay, I need to take that next step. How do I do it? Which is why we're looking at traction as well right? Uh, for that. So very interesting that uh, we're in two different stages of business life in terms of size, revenue, and stuff, mm-hmm. but really the same stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in pain. In pain. <laughs> yeah.
1: The pain never goes away. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so... I wanted to go back to the EOS. So a lot of that has to do with getting your uh, services written out, your policies in place that everybody understands, you know, what has to be done, when it has to be done, following the same checklist, if you may. So when we talked about stack earlier, you mentioned that you're, I don't know if we, we didn't say this on air, but you guys used to be a Sonic wall shop. Yeah. Um, but you're not anymore. We're not. Uh, you have been using ingenious
1: sparingly now. Sparingly now. now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. And so what, what is your, I guess, general stack and why has that changed in terms of philosophy?
1: From a, like a hardware perspective, we're pretty much all in on Fortinet. Um, I would say a lot of it is supply chain. Okay, they have very good lead times at the moment. Uh, the the ecosystem you can build with them, and like you said, you know, it's a bit more boutique in terms of you're going to pay a little bit more. But the way that whole ecosystem works together, especially for partners for the management um, of having multiple tenants, is very good. And if you look at the Gartner quadrants, they're a leader in terms of yeah. you know edge security. Uh, pretty much all of their security services are in that top right quadrant, which is what we want to align ourselves with.
0: All right, so Fortigate, FortiCloud, right? Um, switches, routers, firewalls. What else do they do?
1: Uh, SD WAN and stuff, SD-WAN, but we're pretty okay. firewall, switches, APs. It's kind of the extent we go to right now. We don't really do more of the like SASE or any of those things at the okay. moment. We don't do the secure access service edge. All
0: right, and you guys are a Connectwise shop. We are, and. Uh
1: oh, App River Zix. Yep, oh, yeah, App River
0: Open Text, whoever they
1: are. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's it's tricky. Uh, yeah, and then you know Sentinel One for EDR okay. is we're, we've really had a good experience with that platform. Um, and and we standardize all our clients on the top tier complete platform. So, oh, you know, okay. we're not we're not coming in and giving you a fifty cent EDR just to say you have an EDR. We're giving you you know the cream of the crop, you know, premier subscription you can get from them. Uh, so we we really try to aggressively enhance our client's cybersecurity posture.
0: So they don't have a choice. They don't have a There's choice. There's not a, a gold, a silver, bronze plan? <laughs>
1: no. Well, <laughs> we, have, we have our secure and secure plus, are okay. really how we structure our plans. Uh, the biggest difference is SOXIM, because so, okay. that, that's such a high-cost driver that you really have to jump to a new plan. Um, and you know they're always in the work, so we'll probably have a newer version coming out. I know you had ThreatLocker on there, and we're looking at bundling yes. that in as well.
0: Yes. Yep. Well, let me ask you because the whole reason I brought that up, and I mentioned I had the demo today with Cyberfox. I had a talk with ThreatLocker, but I couldn't get the demo done. That'll be in a week or so because uh, I'm looking at the uh, Pam Privilege Access yep, Management. That's what it is. So you used...
1: for all of our QuickBooks hosted QuickBooks because that's one of, that was the driving reason we were looking at like a Cyberfox or Privilege Access Management solution with. Um, Threat locker. All
0: right. So you're we're, using Threat Locker for yeah, that? We're using okay.
1: Threat Locker for the escalation the installing the updates on QuickBooks because it used to be seventy hours of technician work per month to run updates for our customers. Yep. And we're like, oh well, we can just, you know, buy this product and it costs us this much and it's a tenth of the cost of our technician time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now are you using any of the other threat locker stuff, doing the ring fence? Yeah, we're in
1: or? we're in the process of kind of building up that proof of concept to um roll it out to we have like a pilot group. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, we're we're in the midst of rolling that out. All right. Did you consider Cyberfox? We did. I demoed it. Uh, we had a very specific use case. I mean, case. your buddy Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's there. <laughs> I went to their Top Golf event. I met a bunch of them. They're great people. Uh, we just had a very, very specific technical use case in the data center okay. um, with how we have Active Directory set up and how we wanted the permissions to flow. Um, I don't. That's about as far as I know. I, you know, right. I, I leave it to the other guys. <laughs> I won't put
0: you on the spot too much, but that was a question I wanted to ask. Um, so let's go back to your data center. So you mentioned, you know, the Sock Seam stuff. Now, are you doing any okay. of that inside your center, or are you partnering with somebody for that?
1: We have we have a partner in Miami, okay. uh, Atlas, inside. Uh, so they're another small business. We like them because they're about the same size we were. All they do are security services for msps uh you know we met them down here and we liked that they were small we thought that what they said was great and they've been good so far we used to host the uh sim piece and the aggregator in the in our data center we've since let the vendor host it they just are better at managing it and it makes sense um but yeah we've got a local partner for that so we kind of avoided the rapid not rapid fire um what's the uh Big uh, sock player out there right now. Socks, uh, sock solder? No. It'll come to me. Too many vendors. It's the CrowdStrike. There we go. Oh, CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike, sorry. Yeah, so we kind of avoided those more top-tier vendors, okay. went with some, some more local little small.
0: So I told you before we got on air about the client, and the reason, folks, we... we so. Matt did get here a few minutes before the show, and he's in uh, my Studio B here, but I still have those uh, 33 phones from that client that we offboarded boarded um, last month. And by the way, just an update, we are completely done with them. Everything is done. I have wiped all the drives, sent them the certificates. The uh, backups in the cloud have been wiped. In the re- it's
1: always a little nerve-wracking.
0: Well, we had, a, we had one of their... <laughs> customers one of their uh, uh employees called today because apparently some of the backups that I did from the cloud I pulled down and put on the server so that they could have them and the new company was supposed to take them off the server and put them on the new desktops for some reason can't find this person's mm. data an accounting girl by the way so it's kind of important stuff and she called today, and she's like, by any chance, do you still have my data? Nope.
1: Got to hold that line. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, so all of that stuff was there, and I just went off topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's bittersweet when those uh, good customers get acquired, and you got to kind of say goodbye.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: they are done 19 years wow. with that client. We just had one that was nine Yep. get acquired by a big hospital system and we're still working with them in a small capacity. But, um, yeah. Hospital
0: system. That's even more than my clients. So mine was a dermatologic skin center type place. Mm. And so the company that absorbed them is, they're national, they've got about 200 locations. But I can tell you they are not unified. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying before we were chatting is that, you know, you think these big enterprise organizations coming in and acquiring these companies have everything in tip-top shape and you get a little peek behind the curtain and uh, it's frightening. It is.
0: So I really was trying to go somewhere with the thought and it just (laughs) escaped me. So anyway. All right. So we have... uh, talked about your data center we talked about your services and stack your philosophy is there anything well let me ask you this because of the size that you are most of the companies that i've talked to that are about your size they are struggling with what they call that plateau syndrome
1: yeah the five million dollar ceiling
0: so yeah. are you guys have you busted through it are you <laughs> on your way through it do you have a plan what where are we, we at? keep
1: like almost getting to it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> It's it's eternally yeah. frustrating um, because you get there, you need to hold on to these clients and they get acquired for no fault of our own and we lose that revenue or it diminishes. Um, and then we got to backfill that. So, you know, monitoring our churn and making sure we're controlling what we can in terms of, you know, client life cycles is important and keeping that pulse because uh, you don't want to get blindsided by anything right. <laughs> when you're making projections and committing to, you know, forward investments. So, um, you know, we just kind of restarted our account management program. We were only doing account management for our managed IT customers, Mm -hmm. which is like 10 people. Um, Because like I said, a lot of our revenue comes from the data center um, and they're not traditional managed IT customers. But what we've said is that everyone gets account management now.
0: How were they not?
1: We were checking in with them. We were sending them newsletters, um, but it wasn't diligent and it wasn't methodical. So it was maybe a call once a year or something.
0: But Okay, so you were still doing them management-wise as endpoints and stuff. Yeah, but you, yeah. But you weren't doing the QBRs or, or Right, we didn't okay. have like
1: a, a named account manager reaching out to them, hey, how are you doing? You know, one of the big pushes this year for us is to, um, you know, there's a circle, there's a red circle where you provide services to your customer, and then there's the green circle to where you're helping your customer provide services to their, to their customer. And we're trying to live in the green circle oh. to say, hey, how are you leveraging technology to deliver a better experience to your customer or your patients, And how can we help? And that's really the drive this year with our account manager, account management push is to say, you know, we want to be more involved. We want to help you succeed. And we're, you know, we're obviously concerned about the cybersecurity and all these things, but, you know, you're never going to be as concerned with that stuff as we are. And that's not what you want to talk about. So let's talk about what you're concerned with, which is, hey, how do I keep my customers? How do I find new customers? And how do I provide a better customer experience? So,
0: so one of the questions that that really worked for me this past year was I made an unannounced visit and got lucky that the managing partner was there, the office administrator was there, and they happened to be in a meeting. They're like, come on in. Timing. And uh, so we walked and we sat and I asked, so what are you guys talking about? And they started you know, talking about the changes they needed to make. And I said, okay, that's fine. I said, so where do you see things going with your business in the next three to five years that you think I should be aware of?
1: Yep. You have to be on the same page.
0: And yeah, it was, you know, no mention of, you know, hey, are you planning, you know, to keep me in your budget? It was just, (laughs) tell me what I need to know and how can I help you? And they said, well, this is what our plans are. And they actually looked at me and said, you know, we're going to need to spend more money with you. Yeah. And I said, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, what we found was that, you know, we were having those conversations, and with our managed IT customers, we've always done kind of the traditional QBR, SBR, whatever you want to call it nowadays, um, but what we found outside of those meetings is the only other times we were really talking to them was when their contract was coming due, Right, and it was, okay, now we're in contract negotiations, and those can get tense, and, you know, maybe not everyone, you know, Lee always says, you know, both sides should feel a little burned at the end of a contract negotiation, because that means they both got something, yeah. Um So, you know, we, and that might leave a sour taste in your mouth and we don't want every interaction to have a sour taste. So we're like, we need to be meeting more regularly with all of our customers. So when those tense conversations come around, you have all of that relationship building you did throughout the, you know, one, two, three years um, before that contract comes due.
0: So it's interesting. So I've avoided contract negotiations and try to just, you know, say, Hey, Let's talk about where we are and what we need to do for the next year. Mm-hmm. And the reason I mentioned the way I asked that question was making it a much longer look. Yeah. What's happening in the next three to five years, do you think? And now I've, you know, asked that of a couple of customers and they have no clue. They're like, we don't know. I'm like, all right. Well, if something comes up, let me know. Let me help you plan for it.
1: Yep. Yeah. We made a little playbook for our first, we're splitting the account management role because our account manager just left. So one of the things we're backfilling across three of us right now, myself included, just to kind of get it going. And we're asking the same three questions to all of our clients. So a little shorter looking, it's just, you know, what changes have you made from a staffing perspective? Because we find that, you know, the stakeholders are terrible with letting us know about onboards and offboards. It's just an eternal struggle for everybody. Um, And what do your next two quarters look like? And, uh, you know, what are you happy or unhappy with about us? Okay. So it's all about the customer um, and getting direct feedback about how we're doing. It's not about, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? Um, it's more focused on the customer and our performance.
0: Okay. And our meeting. Why two
1: quarters? Because uh, we're like in a mid-quarter section right now. It's a little funky. So it's like through Q3, essentially, is what I'm saying. Oh, so okay. like the rest of Q2 and Q3. Um, but just kind of like the next six months-ish just forward looking, Hey, what are the plans? And they might mention something a year or two out. Hey, I'm looking at this new office building or something like that. But just to get a pulse check and to for us to get realigned now that we lost our account manager and we're, we've moved account management in my shop and everything's in HubSpot and done very differently. Cause I'm a HubSpot freak now <laughs> um, since moving to that platform. So
0: I, I only know of HubSpot as, well, maybe it is a CRM, but it was mainly for the marketing. Yeah because we had, well, let's just say we had an incident a few years back where a marketing person started pushing HubSpot.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> implementation and kind of you know having a good partner to help you through that can be everything if you, right. you know, I could say that with Manage, too. Like, if you have a poor implementation, you're going to hate it, but uh, I think it helps to have a SME on your team that understands the tool and how to leverage it best.
0: Okay, so HubSpot, so you're using that as your CRM. Mm-hmm. Now, have you leveraged, you said you leveraged some other integrations. Are you talking about from your, you know, RMPSA type thing, leverage or?
1: For, for HubSpot or for just in general? For HubSpot. Yeah, I mean, right now it's kind of janky. So okay. we, we use Quoter for quoting. Okay. So like we have HubSpot and then Quoter in the middle and then Manage on the other side. And Quoter basically acts as a proxy to move things from HubSpot Quo or to manage. Okay. But they have a new managed integration. That's one of my rocks this quarter, EOS, um, is to integrate HubSpot and Manage. So I have a bunch of data cleanup and stuff I have to do to yeah. get that going. But then we should have like a consolidated user base. So if a billing person makes a billing admin change on the managed side, it you know updates our billing mailing list in HubSpot. So okay. you know, just kind of that was all manual work before managing that, so it should be a little nicer for me. <laughs>
0: All right. So you mentioned Quozo for that. What about on the back end, getting all of your stats for billing out purposes? Are you using something like Gradient or
1: no? <laughs> uh, we're actually in the middle of moving to Business Central, so we're really? yeah. This is a this is pretty bleeding edge stuff. Okay. So we found uh, some people in Australia that had built a managed integra- integra- uh, managed integration with business central. And so it basically takes the agreement and pushes everything over to business central. Um, and we should be billing out of there in the next couple months. It's taken about six months. Okay. And I can send the information. It's, uh, when it's up and done, it's supposed to really revolutionize the amount of admin time that it gets rid of for us because that's been a perennial pain that takes a disproportionate time of our owner's time that should be you know dedicated elsewhere.
0: Now, am I understanding, you know, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing, but Business Central wasn't that for some reason I have stuck in my head that it's on the same level as a Salesforce.
1: Uh so Dynamics is probably what Dynamics, you're thinking of. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Microsoft Dynamics is kind of the parent product of Business Central. Okay, okay. All right. So it's kind of like the SMB Dynamics, you can look at it as. But okay. we're just using the subscription that gives us like the billing capabilities. It's actually pretty cheap. Okay. Um Relatively to you know all the other things out there.
0: All right. So my dynamics person out there, I want to look at Business Central. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got a guy for you. I'll, I'll send him. You do? Uh, okay. Yeah. You got a lot of guys for me. <laughs> I make friends. What can I say?
0: Yeah. I'm talking about a new recycling company, maybe.
1: Yeah. We're doing uh-huh. an event in Orlando in a couple months where everyone can bring all their old e-waste and drop it off for free with our recycling partner up there.
0: Where are they bring it to your office? Or? No,
1: we're going to have like three drop-off locations around really? the city, and just say, "Hey, drop it off. You got an old printer? Got an old computer? Drop it all off." Because usually you have to pay for that stuff. Well, yeah, I think so, so just uh, educating the public on don't throw computers in the trash can.
0: All right. <laughs> so Orlando. So let me guess. There's going to be a collection place at Church Street Station.
1: Uh, maybe I haven't gotten <laughs> that far yet. Uh, got to put my you know event coordinator hat on okay. and work on that a little bit. But we're waiting for. You know, one of the big things that um, I've really been trying to do is leverage MDF from the vendors so the marketing development funds. So I've got requests in with Dell and Veeam right now, two of our partners, to really sponsor the event. And we've gotten, you know, thousands of dollars from other partners for various things. So, you know, ask your vendors and generally there's very rigid like MDF rules um, that you have to follow. But if you have a good relationship with your account manager, they'll connect you with the marketing person and they have some wiggle room there.
0: Well, I mean, usually they want some sort of return, yep. uh, whether it's marketing return or, you know, dollar return or yep. whatever, because I've talked to, uh, River has been here a couple of times trying yep. to figure out what we they can do. They sponsored
1: some case studies for us. They've, they've done things for yep. us. Yep.
0: So that'll be interesting. Uh, but let me know when that is because I've got my two clients up there. That
1: Yeah, tell them to drop some stuff off. Because usually get of it. it's
0: me going up there and whatever <laughs> fits in my car on the way back.
1: Yeah, I've been there, done that. I mean, box trucks, uh, just emptying out offices, no box truck, and bringing it to the recycling site. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not fun stuff.
0: All right. So I should probably actually take time right now to let you guys know that the IT Business Podcast is brought to you by NetAlly your leader in network testing, diagnostics, uh, everything that helps you design and test your networks. And the reason I bring them up is uh, I had a conversation with my rep today. Actually, it started last night, but continued in today, that I am now on the list to get one of their new CyberScope units uh, when they are available from the factory. So I know that I had mentioned that they reached out when the new Cyberscope uh product became available. They wanted to set up a webinar. So we are working on that, but they're gonna get a unit in my hands. And once that is here, we will talk about getting that set up. And I don't know if you know this, but Net Ally, I'll show you the tools when we're done here. Uh but it you know goes out can do a a discovery of all the items on the network. You can do some testing, performance testing uh with cables and uh, testing of services and devices and a bunch of other stuff, but they've added now this cybersecurity component into their handheld unit, um, Utilizing InMap, and don't know much about That's it. It's
1: like what the honeypots use.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes and all of that. Uh, so check out NetAlly dot com. Also, our live show is presented to you by Computers Done Right. Uh, IT services out of Venice, Florida on the other coast. So any help that you need, any referrals that you need to do in Southwest Florida, reach out to Computers Done Right. Our good friend, John, takes care of everybody over there. And Instant House Call. You've heard me talk about them. Corey Fruitman, our friend in the channel. If you are an emerging MSP, an IT professional looking for an RMM product to help you with remote support and you're not yet ready to go to the big boys instant house call is a product for you and it is a great very easy to use uh, remote access system with very little overhead for your client and you can do all the same things as the big boys you can white label it and you can do some actual basic troubleshooting through the instant house call portal. So go to instanthousecall.com, try it free for 15 days, and you don't even have to put in a credit card to do so. All right. Uh, Matt, I know you are living down here in South Florida in the Kendall area. You know, I was here's a question that popped up earlier that I didn't did not get to ask. So the company's based out of Orlando. You work out of Kendall. Yep. Um, how remote how much of your office is remote hands or is the bulk of the office there in Orlando? The,
1: the bulk is there. Uh, we have one in Washington state. He, okay. he works for me. He's one of my direct reports. And then uh, we actually have some staffing in South Africa. Uh, we have a great tech down there uh, that we're working with. Okay. But everybody else is in the central Florida area. Office is closed on Fridays. Everybody works from home. Get out. Yeah. And uh, well, we're open for customers, but um, it's probably for, work, work so that's Monday. probably more
0: because of traffic than anything, right? Yeah.
1: I mean Mondays that everyone's in the office day and Fridays everyone's out of the office day. Okay. And then throughout the rest of the week everyone has their own schedule. Everyone's on a hybrid schedule. Okay. So everyone's doing like two or three days in the office per week.
0: All right. And is the bulk of your client base here in Florida? No. Okay.
1: Yeah. Our last like five customers have been outside of the state.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. So we're you know, we're focusing down into that more healthcare niche and um, with that, obviously yeah, there's no
0: healthcare in Florida. No, no, not at all.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the, the, people that have problems, you know, we find that, um, going to these trade shows, we get FaceTime with, you know, 200 practice administrators in a three day span when for me to talk to 200 practice administrators on the phone, it would take me all year. Yeah. So, and those people are from all over the U S and they've all got a lot of the same problems. And, you know, we work with field nation a ton local hands very easy it's free to use uh the fee structure is very reasonable um and with our billable rate we can just charge our billable rate and we still make money yeah so um we can service people anywhere you know uh our most recent customers in atlanta Uh, but we go up there like once a quarter to visit them we still you know pride ourselves on building those relationships so you know when we onboard a new customer that's remote we always go there first so because we want to see everything ourselves we want to talk to people face to face and then we try to make you know regular visits ourselves as well. But okay. all those in between touches are done via vendors.
0: All right, sweet. Well, the reason I mentioned that you guys were here in Florida is, and I hope you prepare for this, Florida man or random question, <laughs> and did you know that Monday or no, not Monday. Yesterday was National Alligator Day?
1: I'm a Seminole, so I don't I don't like that a ton. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like the gators around my parts.
0: Go Knowles! Uh so there was a lot of emphasis put on the alligator nation this week. So I should probably say that this all started last week and the the interesting thing is in Orlando, uh I don't know exactly where but there was that alligator that shut down I10 oh, I or no I4 uh, for like half an hour. Oh, sorry. Alligator I4 was, is
1: already a mess so I can't imagine. <laughs> so the alligator, alligator play.
0: was uh out wandering the uh <laughs> the streets there
1: was it a pet alligator i don't know (laughs) that wouldn't shock me
0: i don't know uh so now down in kendall uh if i remember correctly you guys are pretty close to some alligator egress areas there so any (laughs) any florida man or gator stories that you have
1: uh no but my entire neighborhood is surrounded by peacocks which is something bizarre and yeah you would never think they're like native to the area so I'll walk out, and uh, I literally saw. I took a picture yesterday about a. Uh, I walk out my front door, and I get greeted by riveting Hello. live video yeah, here, folks. we are uh, scrolling see, I'll show, I'll... for?
0: I'm on my phone looking up Florida man stories. <laughs> <and> <laughs> he's doing that, but I will. I will share oh, yeah. this uh, because of the National Alligator Day. There is an article that I will point to where it gives you what not to do on National Alligator Day. And basically it's, you know, lowering your risk of encountering alligators and the uh, let's just say the FSU rivals (laughs) put out uh, these following tips. And of course the first one don't feed wild alligators. You would think that that would not need to be said, but here in Florida, it needs to be said. Avoid throwing fish scraps in trash cans. Follow posted signs. Only swim in designated swimming areas. Swim during daylight hours. This goes back to our Florida Man story from last week where the dude walked out of a bar. Yeah, I got one, his arm
1: bit off. I saw that.
0: In the a.m. And uh, be vigilant. With children and pets, never allow small children to play unsupervised near water.
1: Yeah. Just Florida things. (laughs) (laughs) So that's uh, my neighborhood. My my neighborhood. That's outside my front door on a daily basis. Okay.
0: So folks, (laughs) we are not going to get a great shot of this, but there is...
1: Living in Kendall.
0: A big old peacock outside Matt's front door. So we'll try to get a... A copy of that picture and put it up somewhere so everybody can see you so at our townhouse when we used to live there was about i don't know 15 years ago we had a peacock that would come sit on our back patio
1: yeah they roost and uh the wife was it's a nightmare enjoy like 50 of them they walk on a roof and then they fly to the trees from the roof yeah and they walk in your cars too and they have like talons that are this big Uh,
0: they are (laughs) something
1: they're pretty but they're a menace
0: And then one other note, uh, since we're, you know, talking about National Alligator Day, uh, everybody should know that a study has been put out by FIU, which is a nice little uh, university down here, Florida Institute University or something like that, Florida International University. Um, But it was published in the Journal of Animal Ecology, That shows that alligators do more than just care for themselves when they create alligator ponds. They create a habitat for other organisms and move nutrients around. And this basically makes them engineers of our ecosystem uh, down here, keeping it healthy. So they are necessary for the glades down here.
1: I'll just never forget the uh, one rule I learned in elementary school is you run in a zigzag when you're running from an alligator. But you know that that's not true? Oh, well, great. I mean. I, yeah, I
0: probably <laughs> should have marked this. Uh, but yeah, that is one of the things that, um, where is it?
1: That's a tall tale.
0: So if you find yourself being bitten by an alligator, fighting back is recommended. Uh. <laughs> um, however, attempting to pry open the jaws is not advisable. And where is? Let me find it here. It was actually funny, but the bottom line is, it's actually better to run in a straight line because I I wish I could find this. Uh, contrary to the old zigzag pattern, they actually don't do well running straight <laughs> ahead for very long. So,
1: learn something new every day. I'll have to find that.
0: It's funny you mentioned that. I was like, you know. All right. Well, Matt, uh, first of all, I should say thank you for braving the rain.
1: <laughs> to make the traffic it, was worse than the rain, but <laughs> to, it's all right. It anytime. Here,
0: uh, and to be an in-studio guest here at Studio B. And uh, hopefully folks got a uh, good look into your business. And so I should say your website, let me throw this up here. So ProSource is the name of the company. And I'll put a link in here, getprosource.com is your website. So uh, for people that want to uh, look you guys up and is there. So since you're not just uh, rooted here in Florida and go all over, so you'll be available to help and consult and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone has any questions, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, I try to do content on YouTube, but you know, uh it's there's a lot going on. So uh we try to post like a couple of videos a month about various
0: I did have that in our notes. That yeah, you various have a uh, YouTube channel. Yep, yeah,
1: various. I mean we have like thirty subscribers, but you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So we just started that last year. Um but just you know educational stuff and yeah. got a little Yeti mic now, better webcam, so hopefully just inc- improving the quality bit now, by bit.
0: I saw you also had a couple of things on LinkedIn, which you said LinkedIn isn't dead. Are you in the camp now with like Everybody is throwing content on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, it's a channel. I mean you have to if you're making the content you have to omni channel it. Right. So, you know, put it in newsletters, put it on YouTube, put it on LinkedIn, um, put it on your website. Uh so you know, it's not the only channel you should be worried about, but it is a channel that I think is worthwhile. But like I said, don't don't use those LinkedIn automators that just relentlessly spam people with in mail because you'll just get ignored and then you'll end up in the spam side. So
0: LinkedIn Automator.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many now that just you know automatically add people, automatically send them an email, a little message.
0: Oh, email. Uh, so okay. I
1: say, hey, you know, I want to connect with every single VP of tech in Miami, and I want to send them this message. And you hit a oh. button, and it spams like three thousand messages. That's out. in there. Uh, yeah, with Sales Navigator and some other. Is some that of part these of the paid? Yeah, you need the Sales Navigator, yeah, okay. and that ain't happening. And then yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like, you know, th- those are the types of tactics that I think people turn people off on LinkedIn, but you know, the, the value in LinkedIn is if you're contributing to a conversation, right. Um, which, you know, requires time and effort and thought, which is harder than just connecting a tool and spamming out a message with little input. So it's, I think people misunderstand the value there sometimes.
0: All right. So let me ask this. So I did a show last week that was an audio only where a gentleman had written a book uh straight from the bot's mouth, basically a conversation <laughs> that he had with chat Gpt turned it into a book and I did a show on another podcast with a guy where we talked about AI in general and what it means for you know he wanted to ask me what does it really mean for for us mm-hmm. and I just had, so when I thought you might be late today, I actually put out the feelers (laughs) to all my people. I'm like, hey, what's a question you might have in case I need to do something? And it's funny, what about chat GPT and the ups and downs? So my question is, I know that you do a lot of development. You're doing the content for you guys. So one, are you using chat GPT or AI for the marketing development? And then second, are you guys using it in your stack at all
1: uh marketing absolutely 100 percent. i mean it's not perfect it gets you 80 percent of the way and uh, i'll take that any day over staring at a blank word document figuring out what i'm gonna say so i used it this week we have a press release going out we did like a park cleanup event with the city of orlando wanted to do a press release and you know those tools they're language learning models so what you feed in the better the content you feed in the better output you get right. so um you know i fed it loose guidelines in terms of what I wanted to spit out. And it was 80% of the way there. And it's structured correctly for a press release. Um, you insert, pull quote here, you know, all those things. Yeah. And an hour later, after a little bit of, you know, editing and or copy editing and getting a couple people to review it, I had a fully fleshed out press release scheduled on PR web. Okay. And before that would have taken me two days to think of it, type it, yeah. hate it, delete it type something else, send it to somebody else, they, you know, wreck it. (laughs) So, you know, my writing, writing is not my background. Um, Something I've had to learn to do, which everybody writes is a phenomenal book when you talk about writing and communicating with people. One of the first things I read when I understood I had to become a marketer, (laughs) everybody, everybody writes. writes. Yep. It just teaches you about communicating with people succinctly and, you know, Forgetting about the minutiae and all of that extra stuff that, you know, us technical brain people really care about, but doesn't convey well and people just tune out.
0: Okay. And have you been integrating it at all into the actual business?
1: In terms of, like, providing services, not really at the moment, no. Um, It's more so just on the marketing front, helping us develop copy. I actually brought a flyer um, to kind of show you our branding and messaging at the moment. Okay. To show you kind of where we are. But, yeah, that's uh, mostly marketing, I'd say.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Matt, that's going to do it for the show. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Folks, thank you. Uh, For those of you that watched live, Really appreciate it for those of you in the chat. uh, Mark and Eric and John and somebody else was in there, but thank you all for hanging out. This is the show that I try to do every single Wednesday. Now, it's going to get funky over the next few weeks because I will be traveling, but uh, we do have shows planned for each Wednesday, uh, except for the Wednesday, I think it's the 21st of June when I will be in Tampa for the ASCII events, but every other Wednesday will be a show. And then of course we'll have some shows and audio sprinkled out throughout the day, Uh, especially when I'm at PAX eight beyond be looking for the one with Rob Ray, the godfather of the channel. So that will be there. That's going to do it folks for this episode. Thank you guys for hanging out and listening, downloading and subscribing. Hey, head over to the website and support our sponsors. Maybe click the link for the Amazon page and I'm going to put a link to this Everybody Writes book and some of the other stuff out there and all that goes to help the show. That's going to do it, folks. Thanks for hanging out. And until next week, holla.